This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are not live. Well, we're live to Paul and I. We're just not live streaming right now to YouTube. We are still very much alive. We're doing another Caveat podcast. Yes. Defining. Exactly. Welcome welcome to Friday's podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. If you go to everydaydriver.com slash adventures, you can mm-hmm. see on their pilgrimage trip. 2023 is now open for registration. We've already got five signups yep. on we're there. We're halfway, halfway to full. So, yeah, yeah we've got 10 available. Mm-hmm. So if you have been thinking about going, if you've earmarked money, if you've said to yourself or any of your friends or mm-hmm. anybody with any earshot, I've got to go on that trip. We would love to have you. You're cordially yep. invited. Go there for all the details. You'll see also the Utah Adventure is available as of February 17th, 2023 at 9 a.m. today. Uh, you should have the ability, unless you're listening you like that five too. in the morning. That's up well, as well. Exactly. Yeah. But still, you can see that adventure is up and the registration details for that. But uh, the pilgrimage, it's yeah. early June 2023 mm-hmm. this year, and we're very excited. It's going to be lots of fun. Europe trip's going to be amazing. You really should join us. We also have, in case you didn't notice, on our original YouTube channel, our GR86 wrap-up video. Apparently, some people have expressed surprise that that car is going away. Now, I will admit, you and I don't want it to go away. I like that car But But the, the reality is we bought it intending to cover it for a year. It has already been a year. We've Crazy. already done most, of, most, if not all, of the major comparisons we'd originally thought of. We've got some others kind of floating. That we're like, maybe we'll do that one. But all the ones we really were targeting, we've done them. We've had the car a year. And now we're having just kind of those kind of life, budget, and real-world <laughs> conversations of, we'd like to keep this car, but as we joked before, yeah. we'd all be Jay Leno if we had enough money and space. We don't have enough money or space for this car to stick <laughs> exactly. around anymore. So it's actually going to a really good friend of the show here locally. So in case we need to pull it in the next year or so, we'll be able to do that. But that is a really interesting, actually kind of detailed wrap-up discussion of winter driving and the car for the past year. So if you haven't seen it on our original channel, you can see what we think, why we're selling, all of the above. The Hyundai Elantra N video that is now live, mm. that is on our Test Drive channel. So it's youtube.com slash Test Drive videos, if you mm-hmm. haven't been there. Those are single car reviews. And Todd, you made me laugh so much in this video. Was, <laughs> I, I laughed at how much I laughed. We, we had we had a lot of fun with this one. We, this was shot in the midst of our, uh, our Elantra N and uh, Civic Type R video. We actually shot Test Drives while we were at it. This is the Elantra N Test Drive. And it isn't, it, it's not, this is kind of hard. And I'm not like... I'm stressed, but just so you're aware, to get into these cars for test drive and not say the same thing we just did for the comparison. Mm-hmm. And I think on the Elantra, yeah. and we had a lot of fun with it, which is definitely good. Another thing I want to mention that just actually happened right before we recorded this podcast, the National Highway Transportation Safety Board, whatever that acronym is, they have declared that Tesla must recall all the cars with their full self-driving. You cannot see my air quotes on full self-driving. But that's the uh, thing they've charged well over $10,000 for, 10, 15, 16, 18. They've charged all kinds of things to have that full self-driving technology in the car. And this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. First off, it's it's nearly 400,000 cars. It's all their latest and greatest cars with full self-driving because they are forcing Tesla to acknowledge that the system can do unexpected things that literally can be dangerous. This is the kind of verbiage they're hoping for. But what I find weird is it's being termed a recall which sounds big and scary and ominous and like the cars are going to spontaneously combust. But what's really going to happen is... They don't. No, crazy. Electrics more than (laughs) others. But moving on. Tesla, who pioneered the -the over-the-air update idea, is going to push an over-the-air update that essentially changes the verbiage that you have to agree to then use full (laughs) self-driving. It's just rewriting the end-user license agreement? This is a new legal doc? Hmm. This is developing as we record, so maybe I'm getting something wrong. But as I understand it, this isn't a recall to turn off the capability. This is a recall to change the verbiage, is my understanding. I could be wrong. Ultimately, this is something where literally they are able to push it over the air to have people acknowledge that it's dangerous. I love how five years ago, everybody was like, self-driving is here. Yay. Buy it now because it's going to be a robo-taxi. It's the big thing. And now everybody's sort of like, yeah, that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Driving is still fun. Humans driving is still important. And (laughs) we had to change our legal docs to acknowledge that fact. (laughs) 
This right. beta software could be dangerous. Surprise. <laughs> I think this applies to everyone at Tesla except for Elon. Elon's busy. You know, all the people that work actually at Tesla and, and work there are going to have to deal with this stuff. Yes, probably. Elon's off doing other things. He, he will tweet about it much. That will happen. That's going to happen. It is a new year with new products from Griot's Garage. First up is the 3-in-1 Wheel, Tire, and Mat Cleaner. This is a non-acidic formula that cuts brake dust and road grime on your OEM wheels, tires, and rubber floor mats. Then there's Water Spot Remover, which removes the above-surface water spots from exterior surfaces. There's Ceramic Metal Polish. It brightens, restores, and protects common metal surfaces, and it leaves a finish like you've never seen. I use some of this stuff on the Z-Exhaust. It's awesome. Then there's their Citrus All-Purpose Cleaner. When Nick was on the podcast the last time, he talked this up. You have gum in the seats. You've got melted crayons. This is the stuff that works on that. It's a concentrated, powerful, non-foaming cleaner for exteriors and interiors alike. And remember that all Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. And when you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. A couple of great car debates coming at you. First from Christian in Montana, who asks which seed he should water. <laughs> That's right. You didn't know that cars mm. grew on trees and bushes. This is the most, and he acknowledges it. Christian has written the most muddled metaphor email we have ever gotten. It's great. They they change mid-thought. I still followed, but this email is just like every metaphor or whatever I can do to try to get the point across. I'm going to throw it together. I'm going to mash it up and spit it out the other side. It still makes for a great email. <laughs> Let's start with the first one. He's currently running grist through the mental mill. <laughs> what is the grist? This is the first paragraph, folks. Welcome. What does that mean out of? Uh-huh. He wants to know whether he should jump on a 2023 Civic Type R in championship white. Mm. A local dealer, well, he says local by Montana standards, it's <laughs> less than 200 miles away. That is super local. It's in a 200-mile radius kill zone. Of Honey, I'm going to the store. <laughs> yep, I'll be back tonight. So it's local. This dealer received an allocation for a new Civic Type R and ordered one to a customer's choosing. Mm -hmm. That customer backed out, and the dealer offered it to Christian. Okay. But the dealer is asking for a modest additional dealer markup. He doesn't tell us, but he says that he knows that this is the trend with these cars. He says that this dealer is charging what he understands to be about 25% of what most dealers want. So what this says to me is five to six grand because there's plenty of so. dealers that okay. are charging of roughly 20. So my okay. guess is he's got about a $5,000 ADM, which is still 5000 more than it should be, but <laughs> is right. far less than most. Well, Christian does say he's not fond of ADM, mm -hmm. doesn't want to encourage it, but this but. is not outrageous. <laughs> yeah. And the car's in transit and will be here in a few weeks as of this email writing. Mm -hmm. Now, he had a prior generation Civic Type R, and he loved the driving experience, although yep. the looks were unsatisfying. They were fun, yeah. but ultimately unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. And he puts more emphasis on how a car drives than it looks. But he's not afraid to admit the whole package matters, mm -hmm. and it's nice to have other people compliment your ride. Which apparently didn't happen on his first Civic <laughs> right, Type R. Like, didn't You're driving happen, that. So, yeah. well, well, he does say the new Civic Type R solved that. Mm -hmm. He's got this six-speed E46 ZHP BMW. Which is very sedan. cool. Yeah, that is the as close as BMW got to a four-door version of the much-beloved E46. Yeah. That's as close as they got, and they're very cool. Yeah, so this is what he currently has, but he is of the mindset that if one comes in, one has to go out. Yes. Car comes in, one's mm -hmm. got to go out. So yep. if that Civic Type R, if he says yes to it, mm -hmm. this BMW will have to go. It's gorgeous looking, it's clean, it's a wonderful car to drive and look at, but it's not a long-termer for Christian. And right now is not an ideal time for him to try to time the market and sell that to a national audience. Well, you do have us, Christian. I mean, we could say yeah. your BMW is for sale, who wants to buy it? But I also think, quick stop there, Christian, why not? You're in Montana in the middle of winter, I realize. But if somebody wants to buy that car, getting it out of frozen Montana is their problem. There is no reason. Seriously. <laughs> Who wants is, BMW in the middle of frozen no Montana? There is no reason to not try to sell that car nationwide right now. Now, I realize winter typically is, now this may be your point, winter typically is a time when cars don't move as quick. But mm -hmm. that is a specific mm -hmm. car. And for the right buyer, I think you could move it anywhere nationwide. And getting it out of your area isn't your issue. I think that the buyer wants to get it out of Montana. How? Let's answer that question. Anyway, onward. 
Well, Christian knows he'll love the new Civic Type R, and white is his first choice. Okay. Blah. Okay. Should he jump on this offer now, or do we think there will be more opportunities to get one of these later in the model's life cycle? Hmm. His gut says they're never going to pile up on dealer lots. <laughs> we have civics. Come get your civic. Cash on the hood. Come on down. <laughs> your, your civic, civic type R. We have them every color. That means blue, white, and uh, red and black. Yes. All four colors. All the whites. We have two of each. Come on down now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he says you'll be eventually able to be able to order or buy one like the, uh, the, the prior version. I think that is probably likely, but what's the time frame? Yeah. But on the other hand, he says he admits they're wacky times right now. Mm -hmm. And he worries that if he doesn't do something now, he'll miss this opportunity. Mm. Is a unique opportunity like this worth making sacrifices for? Or should he hang tight because other opportunities will present themselves? Like option B. Which brings us to plan B. (laughs) Which has a bunch of other metaphors (laughs) in the middle of it. It's great. He believes that in this bizarro market, you need to create opportunities well in advance. And so he put a modest deposit down on an Audi RS3 in July Mm. of 2022. Production of that car has been crushed by a combination of supply chain issues and energy costs in Germany, and few have been delivered anywhere. The dealer says Audi has promised him an allocation in the first quarter of 2023, which we are currently in, (laughs) and he's first on the list, which could result in a delivery of late summer of 2023, which is perfect timing but if he had put odds on it, he says the odds of that RS3 even arriving this year, mm-hmm. he's not sure he'd give it even odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be late summer 23. Let's just say that means September, but there's a good chance it's not even this year. From what Christian has read, the RS3 appears to be stellar. Mm-hmm. All-wheel drive, extremely attractive for the frozen Montana winters. Yep. He thinks it looks great, but he's never even seen one in person. So how would we compare and contrast these cars? He wants to take his kids to school and ski practice, then ride his sidewalls around the Canyon Road. <laughs> Love it. On it's a great descriptor. Very good. Is there an option that he's missing? Because if he passes on the Civic Type R, the Audi seed may just germinate. Should he let that grow and harvest if it bears fruit and oh, switch focus to the Civic Type R if it dies on the vine? I'm, I'm trying to follow. I am following, but wow. Okay, yeah. Or is a bird in the hand worth two in a glass house? <laughs> See, this is where we're just we're spiraling off and I don't know what we're even talking about anymore. But ultimately, what he's talking about is Civic Type R now, because he would love it. He knows he would. Civic Type R now for a little bit, let's say $5,000 over the MSRP. Let's really hope it's not more than that, even though that's still a a raping. Or wait for the RS3 because that seems to work better if it comes on time for his ideal time frame of selling the BMW and stepping into something else. And so he's just not sure. I have many thoughts. Christian, we hate dealer greed. Mm -hmm. We hate anything that perpetuates it. We're also not ever going to be able to stop it. Sadly true. Yeah. Someone, whether it's you or somebody else, will buy that car at that additional dealer markup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So on one hand, you could buy it, pay the money, and have a brilliant car to drive. Yeah. You could also sell it within six months and pass those costs right along to the next owner and drive it for free. Possibly. But the problem is, right now, I don't know that you're making money on it. You certainly wouldn't lose much, but don't come in expecting to flip it for profit because it only perpetuates the crazy car prices we're seeing. Well, and we've already seen, and I'm actually glad it went this way, we've already seen the guy that bought the GR Corolla with a bunch of markup and tried to flip it on, I think it was bring a trailer, and didn't get it. We saw the person with the Civic Type R that paid 20000 over sticker, Ugh. which makes it nearly a, sorry, I have to actually state this, a $70,000 Civic. <laughs> okay you just when that, that like the start of a joke when or? that lands in your brain you just go what is going on yeah but they bought a seventy thousand dollar civic <laughs> with you yes. tried to flip it and nobody would pay that because of course they shouldn't so i'm glad that that right. has failed but to your point though paul i do think that christian's in a situation where let's again i'm just going to assume it's five over you could buy it and you could sell it within a year and i don't know that you'd get your five over back but I do think you could sell it for MSRP. So is having that car in the short term, which is actually mm-hmm. part of my thinking, is having it in the short term worth a few thousand dollars? And it may be, especially if you don't know when the Audi shows up. I mean, yeah, you could water that Audi seed, hoping it turns into the Audi bush or the I, Audi I suppose. tree. The Audi forest. The Audi forest. <laughs> yes. Because you've already owned the prior generation Civic Type R. It's not like you don't know what that car drives like true. for the most Very part. Very true. Yes. Well, okay, let me say it this way. 
it's not like you haven't had the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the it. new one will be similar enough, more mm-hmm. power, it's a bit better. And as you said somewhere in your email, the, the styling is better. They sort of fixed yes, the weirdness. But there's no guarantees that Audi's going to come through either. I mean, yeah, anything agreed. could happen, like agreed. a car carrier yep. spontaneously combusting in the middle of the ocean and sinking to the bottom. <laughs> Stuff happens. Christian, <laughs> this is your dealer calling. I have some bad news. Good news, bad news. Actually, it's all bad news. <laughs> your car, that car that you ordered. The sister ship to Felicity Ace is now also at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. They're just lining them up down there. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's not really aces. Uh, so you mentioned the timing isn't great either and timing is everything except in the stock market, but we're here talking about cars, but the dealership will move on to the next customer on the list. If you mm-hmm. say no, I think we need plan C. Okay. Love it. Keep the going. Wait for Audi plan the wait for the Audi forest. Okay. I'm not saying, you know, then we're going to come in with the Hyundai so, chainsaw. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. Who had the chainsaw? Good. Excellent. I mean, I, the Porsche Macan is an interesting Oh, alt, good alt, yeah. We just recently did a test drive on a brand new BMW X3 M40i. Mm-hmm. If you're throwing down RS3 money and yeah. you need something that is, I mean, it's not going to be an RS3 where you say you're going to ride your sidewalls. Yeah, it's not It's not a little small sedan. Isn't going to do that. Yeah. But it is surprisingly good to drive, even in winter, mm-hmm. even equipped with winter tires. So yeah, that true. could be a consideration. True. Hyundai Elantra N is on my list. I mean, we drove that against the Civic Type R, and it does compete for ten grand less. There's also the Mazda 3 Turbo sedan or hatch, and then even going the cheap route, you could get a Corolla XSE hatch, something used. True, yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about ideas to tide you over until the RS3, Mm, because it mm. seems like you want that Audi. It seems like you're kind of like just waiting for somebody like us to give you permission to wait for the Audi. We are here to give permission. We do that really well. (laughs) Yeah. Am I calling it wrong here? Because no, I don't think so. He is blown away by this Civic Type R offer, but feels like, what if I jump in? Well, then I'm going to have a Civic, Civic Type R. And I don't know that you'll just instantly be able to flip that car for the same money. So you're sort of like, okay, I'm down a couple thousand. Yeah. I liked it, but I didn't want to keep it. And now I made a mistake. I yeah. wish I waited for that Audi. So how about just something... Or you know what you could do is just drive that BMW because warm weather is coming. Keep it until the Audi comes. But again, the Audi's, there's no guarantees the Audi's coming. Yeah, the Audi is the wild card here for sure. And I want to say this, Christian. This is the other thing. And somebody mentioned it online at one point, and I laughed because it was like, that's exactly the point. Once your Civic Type R, I realize the one you're talking about isn't going to be 70 grand. But once your Civic Type R is 70 grand, why didn't you buy an RS3? I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Because seventy thousand dollars. Because uh, seriously, what you, you're going to wind up with a higher quality, more luxurious, all-wheel drive little sedan monster for the same money as a Civic Type R. The only thing you really lose out on is the manual transmission. So you end up with yeah. arguably a better car across the board because the the markup gets you into Audi RS3 money. Now you're not talking about the markup going that far, but I still think if you have a Civic Type R. I cannot believe that I'm talking to you about buying a Civic Type R with markup. But 70000 anyway, No, 70000 is right out. Just so you know, right out. A 5000 over Civic is still sort of against what you and I have thrown down That's to gonna say be, we're against it's this. Going to be an, it's going to break $50,000 leaving the dealership. $50,000 Civic? Civic. That's still up there. Civic for fifty. Ah, That's horrifying. I do think uh. that should you want to cave to that, you will be able to sell that car the minute that you're done with it. I do think so. I don't know that you're going to sell it for everything you put in. I That's think the issue. MSRP, yeah. you could get out of it. Anytime in the, in the first calendar year of owning that car, there'll be few enough of them. In the first calendar year, I think you could get out for MSRP the week you post it. I, I think it's gone. I don't think you're going to get markup back out. So debate that amongst mm-hmm. yourself. Because the RS3 theoretically is coming and it is earmarked for you. And I do think you would like that car more because it's a new experience and it's a nicer car. Have you thought about Golf R's, though? You think? Because what we're talking is it's most of an RS3 in hatchback form, and you could go get one. The, the crazy markups on the Golf R are behind us now. They existed, too, by the sort way. Sort of, mostly. We're on the back half of yeah. that. You can find those cars now for MSRP, which means you could probably get it, I can't believe I'm saying this either, for less than the Civic. A Golf R for less than the Civic and it'd be most of what you get of the RS3. It's not the RS3. I'm not claiming it's the same thing, but it's similar. So that's another option as well that we haven't talked about. 
I really think you have to take a hard look. Look in the mirror, Christian. No, you have to take a hard look and figure out, are you willing to burn the markup cost to have the Civic for the time being? Which, candidly, may be a year. May the bridges we burn light the way, right? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Listening to us discuss this, Christian, I'm of the mindset to wait for the Audi right now. Because, like Todd said, it's a new driving experience. I think... You're insinuating through all your metaphors that you are looking forward to that car. And even though Todd and I have not driven that new RS3 yet, it's on the list. I'm hoping we will soon. Yep. But in comparison, I think the Civic Type R will be a little bit more raw, slightly more engaging experience. Well, it has the manual for nothing and else. It's got the manual. Yeah. But I think you'll ultimately like the Audi better. It's a little bit more insulated, not quite Lexus-like. But that's the way they build their cars. But yeah. that's generally yeah, speaking, yeah. I, I think it will be far more engaging than something like the Alexis. But oh, I, for sure, no, no, no. I think you will still be able to ride your sidewalls in the RS3 and Without really question. enjoy it. You will, you will be shocked at how fast you burn through your tires in the RS3. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind. Plus, you've got all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the back seat I think is going to be a little bit smaller than that Civic. I have no doubt. The Civic back seat is enormous. It's a cave. Yeah. But ultimately, like I said, you've already had the tenth generation. I would be reversed if you hadn't ever driven a CTR before. I can see that. I can but see you that. have. And I do think, back to where you started, Christian, I do think, give it three years. If you want a Civic Type R, I think you're going to be able to go buy a Civic Type R. Yes. You, you, yes. If, if you get, whether you get one now <laughs> or reg- not. I mean, the wave of regret seriously. crashes over you. you. You have the Audi for a year, and for whatever reason, you're like, this really isn't me, and I want a manual transmission back, and I want a more raw feel than this car is. Even though I'm sure the RS3 is great, I'm to the point you just made, Paul, the Civic Type R is going to feel more raw and more involvement because of that manual and just the price point of the car for nothing yeah. else. If you decide, I really wish I could get a Civic, I think a couple years down the line, You'll be able to get one. You may be a little bit of a weight, but it's not going to be like, well, here's the markup, man. Right. See, and then you can point your metaphors at the new dealer. Yes. Man, I was surfing the wave of regret with my <laughs> Audi that I grew in the forest. Uh-huh. In and my it, forest of Audi. I crashed. And I surfed the wave of regret beach. out of the forest of Audi. And I'm here to ask mm. you, can I order one of those? <laughs> Don't you want to put a, a, a traded-in Audi RS3 at the Honda dealer? That I just want to see a photo of that. Right. Rob R. is in Michigan and wants to upgrade his commute. His current vehicle is a 2021 Ram 1500 Laramie. Okay. This lease ends in December of 2023. His MOF's vehicle is a 2019 Jeep Grand Cherokee they recently purchased at the end of the lease. Wow, mm-hmm. you guys lease a lot. Uh, but this one's working Lots for Lots of leisure. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, his MOF is fully remote with her job. But Rob currently commutes 60 miles a day, five days a week. And based on the work commutes, it made sense for he and his MOF to swap vehicles. Because the Laramie was not a good commute yeah. car. And the Jeep Grand Cherokee, let's be honest, is not really a commute vehicle either, but it's better than the Laramie is. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's all relative. <laughs> exactly. Now, his MOF drives his Minister of Time, the MOT, <laughs> to daycare. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that we have all these terms we now. Do. It's so fun. And runs errands in the Ram. Mm-hmm. It's not her favorite because it's so big. Yeah, and it's Rob, not a, yeah. Rob drives the Grand Cherokee for all of his day, daily commuting. So 350 miles a week average. Yeah, yeah. After many discussions and considerations, he was granted approvals to get a new slash used vehicle by replacing the Jeep that aligns with something he would like to drive based on his passion. There was a parliamentary vote, you can tell. <laughs> They went to Parliament. There was a big vote. Was there a gavel involved? The Minister of Time was probably... They were banging the sippy cup like a gavel. It all happened. I can see the whole scene. Yeah, moving on. They've had no issues with the Jeep in 36,000 miles in almost four years, but he's lacking the enjoyment of driving. I can see it, yeah. He's looking for a fun, sporty sedan that will take take the joyless commute and add excitement. Love it. He has a lot of drive homework to do because he's at the beginning of his search, but he's looking for suggestions outside of his immediate considerations. Mm. Now, this budget is thirty to $35,000 with a hard stop at the Paul <laughs> limiter of forty grand. He built a wall at forty grand. Guess where we're going to live? Forty grand. <laughs> this year's winter in Michigan, he's needed all-wheel drive only once. So he might consider rear-wheel drive options. Okay, love it. If he also works from, he has the work from home ability. If, if if his vehicle cannot make it to work, that's in quotes, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm calling it. I can't make it to work today. <laughs> like, My favorite cannot make it to work today story is the one you've told me about Alaska and bears. 
What did I tell you? That literally, it's kind of known in Alaska. If you call into work, you're like, there's a bear in the front yard. They're like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> you like, come in whenever that, that, whatever that bear clears. Exactly. We'll see. Uh, yeah, you're right. You, you're there's right. a bear in the front yard. You are fine in your house. Exactly. All good. You do not want to mess with those things. You don't even want to honk at them. No, just, it's just, the, the, just yeah. he's, he's walking right there. We're going to let him pass. Don't honk. Don't mm-hmm. look at him. He wants highway passing power and cruising ability, a large rear car seat for a car seat or something to carry two adults mm-hmm. because he has work lunches. And if you know you get something cool, you know, Rob, everybody's going to be like, You're Rob's drive driving. Absolutely, yeah. His hobbies include hockey and golf. Those are kind of similar. They, yes. Blades are just a little bit bigger. Yeah. So <laughs> adequate truck space is required. And it's got to be an automatic because his MOF will be driving it in certain situations. The only difference between hockey and golf is hockey's a little more contact. I'd like to see golf played like hockey. That would be awesome. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Full contact golf. Guys in really weird yes. outfits checking each other in the middle of a perfectly ma- manicured grassy field. I, I want to see this. <laughs> the vehicle history includes that Ram, a 2017 Dodge Charger Scat Pack, 2014 Audi S4. He wants to own another Audi. By the way, you could take... Uh, See, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What, what if, what <laughs> if Christian gives you his his allotment for an RS3? And sorry, now we're really mixing things. Well, up. you got to go to Montana, but still, yeah, it's okay. You can make that happen. Again, they ship cars everywhere. I'm just saying that's it true. Yeah, and Rob also had a 2010 Ford Fusion Sport all-wheel drive. The current considerations. Well, let's see. They're mostly. Well, they're not mostly German. I take it back. Audi S4, S5 Sportback, <laughs> Audi S6 or S7. So all the Audis. If it's an Audi, saying. I might like to get one. All the Audis. The S4, 5, 6, 7, and by the way, maybe even the S3. And they're all the S's, so yes. none of this mm-hmm. A No, stuff, we're not. We're not. Right? We don't play with the A's. Yeah. yeah. So Kia Stinger GT, Genesis G70, the 3.3. That's the engine for sure. Acura TLX. That's very good. And the non-Blackwing Cadillac CT5V. Okay. He will probably be writing again in the coming months because they're currently expecting two more minister of times. They're two more ministers of time. Twins. Wow. You are about to be very, very busy, Rob. I know that's not news to you or your wife, but wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sniper shot for me, Rob. And that really? is the Elantra N with the DCT. Did you really? Okay. And we're all done. All right. Okay. That's interesting. Now, when you fold those rear seats down, there's a rear stabilizer brace and you yes. can't put hockey. Well, you could actually like put hockey sticks through it. Of course you could. Yeah, you could. for sure. Yeah. So that would work. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. And with the DCT, we've only driven the manual at this point, mm-hmm. but we've heard very good things about the DCT. We actually had it in the Kona. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. It's, it's an excellent transmission. It's yeah. in-house. You get the NGS button with the DCT. That's true. The N-Grin shift. Ugh. That is literally why, sorry, why, I side rant, why does it not just say overboost? Why does it have to have a new little acronym? Was, I think it's because overboost was too long. But double stack it. Put over above boost. It's just N-Grin shift. That Now then further gone down to NGS. It annoys me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's not provocative. It doesn't sell. Just call it a color red. Well, it's it's not red. It could just say boost. Yeah. Yeah. But no, NGS. All that to say, it's a great transmission and the car goes quick. It fits your budget exactly. They're fun to drive. Mm -hmm. You, well, I guess it's not rear wheel drive. Darn it. It's not, but he'd have fun with that. Here. Well, look at, he's coming out of a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And he's driving a Ram, and he wants more fun on his commute? Yes, that answers all those questions. I see where you went. Yeah. if I mean, the car is so good, I don't think you would mind that it's front-wheel drive only, right? I don't think so either. It's so yeah. much fun to drive yeah. that I don't think it matters. I agree. And then, you know, once you replace, you get all the ministers of time in place <laughs> in the giant hauler, whatever mm-hmm. you have. Yep. Then we can focus on a fun car at some point for you that is, fr- that is rear-wheel drive. I would own an Elantra N. They're that good. They're really They're excellent good. and They're fun yeah. to drive. And like, I, I think that is the car and, and the consideration because I think a rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive is something you're going to burn more gas. And that car gets pretty decent gas mileage. It does. The problem is that the, the mid-size sedans he's looking at are all going to gonna do only a little bit better on gas than what he has right now. But they are going to have space that you may use for work stuff. Yeah. I want to run through your list real, real quick, Rob, even though I do think the Elantra is, is a, a good one. I hadn't thought about that. That's excellent. Like Audis, do you? <clears throat> Not just now, the Audis, none of the A's. I'm kind of curious with your history why the Audis are resonating so much. I guess it's just because you like the the style of the you know the nice German Autobahn style sedan. I see yeah. it. Look, the A6, A7 are great. The A7s are a surprising value used and have a surprising amount of space. The S4 and S5 are cool, but I, I mean the question on all the Audis is 
miles per gallon because you got the S and maintenance cost. Okay? <laughs> so major things is what because, you're saying. We, because you're currently driving two essentially brand new Dodge products. You've got the Ram and you've got the Jeep Grand Cherokee and they've both been good to you and they're brand new on lease. What you're talking about is buying a used German luxury sedan. Mm. These are not the same in maintenance. I don't care which brand you pick. Buy a used BMW for the same kind of thing. This is a different conversation here. So I'm a little concerned for you on the Audis for that regard. The Stinger beats the G70 if you need a big back seat. If you're wanting driving fun, G70 all day long. The Genesis G70 is better to drive. It's got a shorter wheelbase. It is an incredibly fun car. People doubt how fun it is to drive at their peril. It is so much fun. The Stinger is better if you need actual hatch space and rear seat space. So if you're actually shopping for a usable backseat and a usable hatch, the Stinger wins there. What were you going to say? I was just thinking about the triple backseat, the triple minister of time seats in the back. Well, the Stinger might pull it off. The G70 won't. The G70 even, won't. Yeah, the G, G70 definitely won't. No, no, no question. But he's yeah. not necessarily shopping for all three kids with this car, though, either. This is the commute car, That's which true, is why your Elantra does still work. They're going to get a honking. monster. Yes, yeah, they yeah. are. They're probably going to get like the Wagoneer L or whatever, the big monster. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the six-wheeled Wagoneer. Exactly right. So the TLX, the Acura TLX is a fantastic car. You have not told us how big you are. If you're our size, that is a fantastic car for you and your wife. For other people to own. For you and your wife. That's, that's what is a fantastic It's right. not really a four-door four four-door four-seat car anymore. If you're not trees like us, it could be great. That, those cars fly under the radar as far as how good they really are. They're excellent. But I don't know if it's big enough. Mm. The uh, Cadillac CTS-V would be very cool. I don't think you're saving any gas there. I don't think you're saving any gas at all. <laughs> that's true. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I bring up two others. Why not a Chevy SS? Because the automatics are in your budget, and they're excellent, and nobody's going to know what it is, and you can cackle and enjoy that laughter. Or get yourself as much charger as you can afford. I mean, if we're throwing down for gas, then yes. we're throwing down. You like Stellantis we? products. So if we're throwing down for gas yeah. for the CTSV, we can we can broaden the horizons here. And then I have uh, one that hasn't been mentioned, and no one's going to be surprised, even though I really like the, the uh, Elantra you mentioned, Paul. And that is, brace yourself, Alpha Julia. Hi. Yeah, that is a good one. Rear-wheel drive, used one of those, is well inside your budget. You could also get, I think they call it the Q4. It's their all-wheel drive version if you want it. But get a rear-wheel drive version of that and enjoy. That has unique looks, which you haven't had, and you kind of want something unique looks. You get the four-cylinder. It's going to have surprisingly good gas mileage, competing with most everything we've, we've mentioned here, and in some cases beating a lot of the stuff we've mentioned here. Great handling dynamics, decent sized back seat, plus Alpha Julia. They are not foreign to Detroit. I mean, true. Stellantarians are up to the north. There, You're right. We they, got the Stellantarians. That's where They're all close of them by. live. You're right. Up there, so <laughs> the Stellantarians have invaded. Have. Their colony is near Detroit. That's right. Yes, there's a nest up there. <laughs> a nest of Stellantarians. <laughs> Look out tonight at eleven. <laughs> Rob, congratulations on your growing family, and if you have a debate. Like Christian, like Rob, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your car debates, Topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions. We are having a lot of fun with this podcast, in case you can't tell. We're just, we're kind of goofy today. Thank you guys for the great questions because it promotes all of that. We really, really love it. Michael Peregrine says, what is the most inappropriate errand you've run in your sports cars? Okay, love it. Have you had it stuffed to the roof, overcrowded with people or pets, or been caught out by something unexpected? Mine is driving it to the mailbox to get the mail. <laughs> it's funny. You know what I, I find hysterical and I end up doing at least once a year? I go to Home Depot in the Lotus with the top off. I love doing that. Because Do you ever have trouble finding it? Like, which road did yeah. I? <laughs> because invariably, yeah, truck, 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 <laughs> exactly. truck, truck, truck. Gap. Oh, there I am. <laughs> no, but because invariably I'm going, when I do this, it's because I'm going to buy something small that I can put in the cabin with me, okay? Nuts but I and just, bolts. I love the image of parking a bright yellow, middle of the summertime, top off Lotus Elise at Home Depot on yeah, a Saturday fine. is one of my very favorite things. Also, I will say this, the Lotus is, I've done it many, many, many times. The Lotus is terrible for drive through because yeah, the window, right. and this this is a commentary on a how small it is built for, built for England and how big we think in American fast food, because the window is so short that you can't hand me a drink through the window. So I literally, 
I literally the are too tall for yes, the window. I literally take that because it's got the roll bar of the of the soft top, and you can pop it. So I literally take the roll bar and I roll it back a half roll to give me enough space for you to easily. I mean, otherwise it's like you're like threading the needles. You've easily to hand me drive through down. Plus the person in the in the window has to double over. Like just, I'm way down here. Just dump the food in. The floor's yeah. aluminum. I'll just, it's terrible. Whatever. Then there are no cup holders. It's it's inappropriate. This is my point. It is inappropriate to get fast food at that car, and I've done it anyway. Let's see. Alex HC09 says, let's talk stripes and graphics on cars, specifically okay. on white, gray, silver, and, well, white cars. Are they a great way of breaking up the blandness or just a way of saying, I bought the wrong color? I think it depends on who you're talking to, because if the stripes are a bright color on, let's say, white. I mean, Porsche is guilty of this. I really like the 911R from the 991.2 generation. They're really cool, yeah. But the graphics... Must it come with stripes? Why does it have to be mm-hmm. in white? I mean, I know it's looking back to 1969 and the history and the, all the races that it <laughs> campaigned in. I know that's where it is. But do we have to paint it white again and then it's green graphics or red graphics? Just It's garish. Has Porsche ever released a livery or a special edition of a car that did not come with a full page worth of paragraphs about how it is hearkening back to some moment in their history, and this is the reason why they did it. There, there, there is a, a sea of people somewhere in Porsche HQ, and that's their whole job. Look back through the archives and justify this and give me a page on it. Anyway. As far as graphics, I like very minimal stuff. I do like along the lower edge of the door on Porsches where it says GT3 or Porsche or something like that, but minimal at best. I'm not a huge fan of GT stripes, even though as cool as they are, they have this history. And the best example is a Shelby Cobra. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are Cobras without stripes, and those are cool too, but... You see the GT stripes. It just kind of works there. Mustangs and Corvettes and lots of different cars. And you just think, I, I think it's, it's trying to, you're trying to do a little too much, Mm -hmm. but the problem is it's all rooted in history and racing stripes and (laughs) graph. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, minimal graphics are best. I prefer that, but I, I I see graphics on lots of cars that are colors too. Mm. And that to me is overdone. Interesting. Jordan Duncan on Facebook says, what about some recommendations for cars for areas where there aren't great roads to drive? He says, uh, apparently his area, talking about Tampa Bay and the like, should he start in the world of GT cars? Jordan, we've talked about this for Texas and other places as well, where the roads are essentially straight and your and your corners are your on-ramps, your cloverleaf on-ramps and that kind of thing. This is where I can totally understand cars with power or cars with a ride that's just luxurious. So yeah, a GT car would be great. I could see if you've got a place where, I mean, Tampa Bay may get too hot. I know Texas gets too hot. But if you have a place where you can have a really nice GT car convertible, that just works. You've got tons of power to pass people. We're going to go on a straight line. But then after you settle into the speed, now all you're doing is absorbing what the car does. So if it's a nice place to be that's comfortable, that's pretty good. Amy Lee T just bought a 2023 Mustang GT, mm. her first fun car and rear-wheel drive. All yeah. of her research says the biggest con in driving in bad weather, but is driving in bad weather, but what is defined as bad weather? Like <laughs> ice and snow, she thinks is obvious, but does she need to be particularly cautious in rain or just don't drive like a jerk in rain kind of driving stance? Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, Amy, we don't quite know where you are located and what kind of temperatures you deal with and Really, winter tires are based on temperature. Lots of people refer mm-hmm. to them as snow tires, which is true, but even more correctly is winter tires because you can have very cold temperatures when it's dry out, but then there's might be a little patch of ice yeah. or yeah. a little patch of slick surface. And so it really refers to temperature. Winter tires generally being you want to drive them at 45 degrees and under, 45 degrees Fahrenheit and under. I will give you a direct relationship to our situation right here, right now. We're having an epic winter in Park City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has not broken 40 degrees in three months. Okay? Now, there's been plenty of dry days. For sure. Plenty of days when every road you're going to hit has been plowed and and, and, and the pavement has heated up enough that there's no snow currently on that road. Right, right. It is 10 out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your your all season tire is not prepared for ten. It can do it. Yeah. But this but the winter tires, the compound itself is softer at lower temperatures. That's where it actually matters. Exactly right. So you've got a high powered Mustang. 
rear wheel drive. So yeah, you need to back it off in rain. I mean, hydroplaning absolutely is an issue, but again, it's, it's really tough to speak because of where we don't know where you're located, but you want to back that off and maybe you do have a couple of sets of tires. So you Mm -hmm. do have a higher performance, higher levels of grip for those really hot and warm months. And then say you get a month or two, even if you don't have snow, but the temperatures Mm -hmm. drop, maybe you go back to all weather tires that are still a good all around and still have high performance. And I'm not saying, you know, your full winter tires, but maybe you just go for an all weather. So look for that triple peak symbol on there and that means they're rated for snow but they're mostly really rated for mm-hmm. the the rain and the cold temperatures and you will be able to to get through on those and there's plenty of high performance tires that are excellent in rain mm-hmm. what you're going to end up needing to do amy and here's my recommendation to you it's going to sound it's going to sound crazy but you need to go to autocross and you need to figure out an empty parking lot where you can actually get the back out on purpose you need to feel what that because, feels like on your car. Because you don't yeah. want to be surprised by that. But the other fl- flip side of it is I think you'll enjoy it. But putting power down on a rear-wheel drive car, if you're not familiar with it, that's when it can surprise you. So mm-hmm. go to situations like autocross or an empty parking lot where you can do it on purpose and get a sense of it. So then I think what's going to happen is you're going to understand what makes it happen. It'll make you a better driver and you'll settle right in. Jason Lamont W. says, what are the top three cars with the best steering feel in any price range? Wow. Any price range. That's tough. That's really up there with, hey, oh, so you're into cars. What's your favorite car? Like, ah! <laughs> we haven't driven all the hot stuff. Sure, sure. The way the upper end, the mm-hmm. Paganis and Koenigseggs and all the crazy stuff. And so that would have to factor in if we're mm-hmm. going to claim best steering feel. But that's just it. We're constantly on the search for best steering feel in an aspirational car. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more do you have to pay to get better steering feel? That's the big, best question ever. Yeah, well, and, right? and you've joked with me before, and you've said it very astutely. You've said to me before, you've looked at me very seriously and been, been like, Todd, no other car is a Lotus Elise. It truly because isn't. if you really dig down, I'm just going to say Lotus Elise, end game. Okay? Uh, true. But true. it's a tiny car, like nothing else, under 2,000 pounds, with no assist in the steering and the engine behind the driver. Nothing else is going to have that steering feel. And, and you're right to say it, Paul, because you <laughs> well, know, for, for a time there, I got a little stuck in a rut about how, but compared to the Lotus, so one day you were like, you know what? Nothing really. Okay. So let's just move on past that and find other things. So that's the thing. I mean, once you go back to non-assisted steering, you want to talk steering feel. I'm talking, go back to yeah. classic 911s, go to an E-type, E-type Jag. Anything that has unassisted steering has all kinds of feel, but that's not a car you're running out to buy. And they're usually not modern. Yes, true. And they don't do all the things you need your car to do. So Mm -hmm. there's lots of trade-offs. And it's tough to just separate steering feel only. Cars that have good steering feel only. Mm. And that's all that matters. Because as much as we strive for that, yeah, absolutely. But there's other factors that that we got to pay attention to. I think nice. it's, it's all of the sensations of the car when it goes into a corner. How controllable and confidence-inspiring is it? Because I'll even say this. Go back to some of the cars that have unassisted steering. So they have tons of steering feel, but the dynamics are terrible. That exists, too. You have lots of steering feel, enough to know it's bad. So it, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole right. holistic reality in the way the car goes around I, I the corner. I felt it. Sure. It's bad. Yeah, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, continuing along that theme, Richard D. says, do you take the red pill? You're a happy driving enthusiast, and you only know automatic transmissions when, behold, you discover manuals. Okay. The problem is they only come in older British sports cars. Oh. So do you take the red pill and retain your manual love or the blue pill to forget they ever existed? Well, I own an old British sports car, so I guess (laughs) I I voted, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that experience, you can't ignore that. I, I think red pill. Eddie Murphy on Facebook says, how much different is a 996-911 in driving dynamics? He's going to research like crazy because he's coming out of learning in a 2017 Miata on track. Talk to him about a 996-911. Eddie, the short version is quite different. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that, the, the latest 911s, okay, the 992 generation, because the car's gotten significantly bigger and the engine has inched its way forward, they're, they're getting less and less. Even our 50 years of 911, this was true. Like the very early 60s short wheelbase 911s were very rear-engined. 
And then when they went to the longer wheelbase in like 69, it already started to, to calm down. Okay, mm-hmm. so now you run all the way to the current 911s, and comparatively, they are hardly rear engine at all by feel. The 996 still has rear engine tendencies. And so what's going to happen is sudden liftoff is going to change the world in a 911, especially on track. If you've been tracking a Miata, that is a car that it is very difficult because of its power and dynamics to overwhelm it in any direction. The 911 is not that way. So if you are throwing a 911 into a corner the same way you've thrown a Miata into a corner, it doesn't mean things are going to all go wrong, but you behind the driver's seat are going to go, whoa, whoa, hang on, that's different. So just ease your way in. I think it's a very different world. The people that drive 911s well drive them quite fast. Mm -hmm. You can do amazing things in corners that nobody else out there can do, but just ease your way in and find an instructor who knows 911s. We've got a couple of questions from Ted Theologan on Twitter. He recently upgraded his PC, and it can run public lobbies of the Nordschleife Tourist and Farting Sessions in VR on his sim rig. Mm. He says, life-changing. What are our favorite corner or series of corners? For mm. me, it's everything before the first carousel. It blows your mind. Sure. Connecting everything through there is, when you get things right or even close to right, so satisfying. I personally need to work on everything after the carousel. You know, stringing together in my sure, mind sure. and knowing what comes next. I mean, hard on the power out of the carousel. Now what? <laughs> need funny. to work on that. That's very funny. That's that's my favorite area. And then he's also got a question back from uh, last podcast. He is watching Top Gun Mav. He says, what call signs are you putting on your helmet? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have no idea. I was Slim Jim in high school, so I guess I'm going with that. That's funny. That's very funny. Uh, Ted, I'm going to answer your question on the ring real quick, and that is I have two areas I really, really like. And every time I do them well, I'm still marveled that that's how the track works. Oh, and yeah, one is yeah. Aremberg, which has the big sweeper. It's got like a big sand trap, big sweeper downhill to Foxhole. So oh, Aremberg right down hander? to Foxhole. You go Aremberg, sweeps right, goes under uh-huh. the bridge. And then Foxhole, if you look at it, it's a bunch of little wiggles. But when you drive it, it's almost a straight shot down the middle yeah, to the true. bottom of the Foxhole, which is the lowest part of the track. And then you break coming up out of Foxhole. And the car gets squished in the pavement. Every time I do that, on the sim or in real life, I just think, that's how you drive that section. You just yeah. kind of point it toward the base of the hill and go. So that's yeah. nice. The other one is there's a corner. Uh, I'm not going to get it right. It's two corners before the second carousel that is a blind crest. Is that the one where you just point it straight, you but point it's a it blind straight. crest? You point yeah. it straight. It's a subtle crest. You point it straight because the track looks like it's going right. And it's a very subtle crest. And the track, everything about the track, the curbing, everything is sweeping up to the right over the hill, and you point straight down the middle. And it seems insane. Yeah, don't believe And you come over the top, and it's like, yeah, the track's right there. It's fine. But everything in you is going, it goes right there. <laughs> exactly. Love that corner. You have to know that. There was a question from Jorge. Did you see this? Uh, he wants us to break down how you understand and extract the storylines. Really, I'm looking for his question here. Can we discuss how we bring the story, the life to life, the story elements of a car video, especially for the adventure films? He says those road trip films were compelling apart from the actual cars, mm. especially now that there's a fancy costume department. <laughs> <laughs> there is a fancy costume. Yes, department. it's a fantastic awesome. box in the back. It's labeled, co- actually not even labeled. It's just like that box with the fur coming out of it. That's where the Bigfoot suit is. That's where that is. Uh, Jorge, this is a this is a massive question, and I, I'm very I'm flattered that you enjoy those pieces that much. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say two things at once. A lot of it is I've been doing story a long, long time, so it comes somewhat naturally. The other part is, you've joked about this with me before, Paul. I don't know the way to put it. It's the same thinking as the, that terrible old joke about sculptures. Okay? Where it's like I just carved away all the stuff that wasn't the sculpture, just, which sounds insane. Just knock off everything that doesn't yeah, look like what you want to Exactly make. right. But, but what, you, what you find over time when watching, especially, especially we put down like the first, the first rough cut of the South piece, for example, is two and a half hours. I guarantee you that you're not going to like it for two and a half hours. It's a little long. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, a little, to say the least. It needs to be about half that. I mean, legitimately, this is how far we're cutting it. But Gosh. what you end up doing is you end up finding that what's the fastest way to say something? Because we're in the car and we'll say something and we'll say like half of the good stuff. And then we, both of us, will drift off into something that's kind of relating. And then we say something else that is kind of off topic. And then we kind of close the thinking. 
Well, that just means you had four parts of that thought and only part one and four matter. And so you cut out two and three and you merge them together. That's the idea going over and over and over. And then you end up killing stuff that's good too. Stuff that is like, that's actually really funny, but I've been talking a long time already and the rest of the stuff really has to stay. So that comes out. I mean, that always guts me because there's so much stuff that you and I say like, oh man, I wish that could go in. Some stuff does. Yeah. For whatever reason. So yeah, Todd, Jorge, Todd is a story master. I mean, not only in writing, but also in seeing storylines come together because it's like that old game memory. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what it's like. Wait, Paul said that over there. Where was that little snippet? Scroll, scroll, scroll. That's a great description. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And you're turning the cards over Mm -hmm. and like, nope, I don't need that right now. But then, hey, I remember that. And uh, I said that. Todd said that. Mm -hmm. Let's put those. Ah, that works. That's a fantastic analogy. That that sort of makes the story because inadvertently we'll say something that references. I do it all the time. You do it all the time. Mm -hmm. References some comment. You're like, you know what? That lands the plane right there. I like that. For sure. But you have to scroll. Maybe you said it later in the piece Mm -hmm. or so we also, you know, maybe it's covered up by B-roll. So, you you know, Mm because it's obvious we're in a different section. Yeah. yeah. But I need that comment. So let's put it back here. Cover it up with a little B-roll that matches. The Game of Memory is excellent because it is about understanding the individual pieces and letting them kind of float in your brain and pulling them back down. It's, it's, I've been doing it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. Occam in Germany says, when life forces you to leave your home office and go downtown of your Volkswagen-dominated hometown in Germany, okay. you can actually discover things you never knew existed, like the Genesis G70 shooting brake. How do we like it? We love that thing. I it's wish they gorgeous. brought it here. It's very, very cool looking. Yeah. I wish that everybody mm-hmm. in the U.S. in North America will say didn't love SUVs as much as they do. That thing's amazing. We could have amazing cars here. Yeah. FL4TVB on Instagram says, selling already? Talking about the GR86, which, yes, we've had it a year. He said, does our choice to sell, aside from our long-term reviews being over, have anything to do with the RTV silicone issue? And the short answer is not at all. If we could keep that car, we certainly would. The RTV thing, it is exactly the IMS issue, but for the GR86. Mm -hmm. My point is, it is something that exists. Yes, I'm not denying its existence. But the chances of it actually damaging your engine, so far those numbers are minuscule. And even tuning shops that have actually worried about the RTV are finding that the engine wear that's happening isn't even RTV-based. Savage Geese Boys talked about this at length with their uh, GR86. You can watch a cool video over there about them. I'm actually promoting them because their stuff is awesome. We're hoping to have them back on the podcast. Anyway, if we could keep this car for show budget and for places to put it, it would just stick around. And I'd like the collection to grow, but yes, you know. yes. So I mean, but what we're planning to do is move on to other things. And this literally, the reason the GR86 is going comes down to let's be candid, comes down to the budget that was allocated for that car every month in payoff is now going to go elsewhere. We can't tell you yet to do other newer things. If it could stay, it would. We love it. It's been almost fourteen thousand miles worth of hard driving. I love it in the snow. I love beating on it on track. I have never thought once about a problem, and it has never surfaced with a problem. For sure. Thank you for all your questions. We are here to spend your money by inviting you on the <laughs> pilgrimage trip. You'll be if glad you did, though. Everydaydriver.com slash adventures. You can put down your reservation. Make your plans. Come with us. We'd love to have you and, and show you what we've learned in Germany and Belgium. It's, a, it's not inexpensive to go. We, but, we, yeah. we see it every year, yeah. Thank you guys for all your questions. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone.